you know we need like we need the good news like we need the beautiful stories we need the positivity yeah we also need that real but it's just like it's it's a grind to see the sadness all the time content warnings for this episode include racism mental health dysphoria anti-trans bigotry and misgendering Jennifer would like to acknowledge the Indigenous peoples and unceded lands that the producers, hosts, and guests live and have dwelt upon. Today, we honor the Mohawk, Algonquin, Anishinawa Bawaki. And I honor the Lenape people. We honor the elders, the human, plant, and animal ancestors of these lands and celebrate the living descendants of these peoples. May all beings tend these lands for the goodness of the next seven generations and beyond. Miati folks, welcome to Genderful, a talk show interviewing gender diverse folks about their special interests. The name of our show celebrates that gender expansiveness is wonderful. Hi, I'm Gender Master, and my pronouns are they, them. Hi, I'm Atlas of Phoenix, and my pronouns are also they, them. The focus of our show is to interview trans, non binary, agender, and gender diverse people regarding their special interests, passion projects, and resources for the gender diverse community. We want our audience to know that this show is hosted by two folks who also identify as non-binary, transmasculine, neurodivergent, and disabled with the passion for telling trans stories. We invite you to remember that we are whole people with robust lives, friendships, challenges, and successes. We love and are loved, and we are delighted to share these stories with you. As always, we kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of their identities, Your identities can change over time and are valid every step of the way. And if you think you're gender diverse, you are gender diverse. There are no social or medical prerequisites to be included in the community. All right, welcome to Genderful episode number 98, y'all. Holy, wow, we're almost at 100 where we have a very special guest lined up. For number 100, we have a less special guest lineup for number 99, so we'll get into that later. (laughs) This week, our guest, Ka Yanyi, they, them pronouns, is chatting with us about their gender journey and their illustration work. Uh, So Ka is a illustrator living in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, or as I call it, Pepe Silvia. (laughs) And they have done artwork (laughs) for all sorts of things, from picture books to billboards to Skittles packages. So welcome to Genderful, Ka. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Miranda. Oh, it's it's uh, the pleasure is all mine. Uh, we were actually chatting uh, in the green room about Philadelphia, which is one of my favorite cities ever. Uh, I absolutely adore the place. And you moved there recently. Is that right? Yeah, I moved here like only four years ago, four years ago, like mm. two days ago in 2019. Awesome. And so what made you what made you decide to move to, to Philly? I just was in love with it like I I was going to school somewhere else and I came here for a job interview and I was like this is like the coolest city ever so it like stayed right? with me that I wanted to live there at some point and then I got like this really sick uh six week like paid mural internship nice. and so I came here and I was like this is so cool I have to really really live here and then eventually like move back awesome so, yeah yeah no I I mean I've been to Philly probably like four or five, six times. And I've, I've had a blast every single time. And I love how queer the city is. Uh, it's actually, there's yep. a lot of history uh, in Philadelphia with as far as, you know, the, the queer rights movement goes. So, um, and the progress flag that people, I mean, most people probably know this, but uh, the progress flag mm-hmm. uh, is actually from like Philly. So, so I, I just heard that. I didn't yeah. even know that until recently. I was in Austin and I was in like this shop called the little gay shop and they're, they're sending they like sell like these little prints and they show the flag and they're like it's the philadelphia like queer flag i didn't even it know is, like yeah. responsible for that it's yeah. so cool it yeah, makes sense but... to me i feel like this is like definitely an american headquarters of gayness and transness yes. specifically it's wild yeah here. and there's a lot of american history there so the city is in love with benjamin franklin everything is named after benjamin yep. franklin for some reason yeah <laughs> yep that's you know it's true yeah yeah and uh, the last time I was there I was actually I was checking out the Liberty Bell uh because I you know every other time I've been to Philly I just haven't had a chance to to look at it and so I actually did go see the Liberty Bell last time uh yeah you did like all the true tourist things I I did everywhere 
yeah, it was nice that everything was kind of like in walking distance. And uh, I'm eventually going to ask you like real questions. But the last thing I want to talk with Philly is how great the restaurant and food culture is there. So there is one restaurant in particular that I want to shout out. I forget the name of it, but it's uh, it is a uh, it's a Xiaolong Bao uh, place or otherwise known as uh, soup dumplings. So it's like a, it's, I think it's called like dim sum garden, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm writing it down but, right now. Oh my God. Soup dumplings or Xiaolong Bao is the greatest invention ever created by the human race. <laughs> 100%. Yes. Yeah. I had my, I do not, I'm so glad you said that because I used to live like in the Boston area and I first had them there. And so I had my shop that mm. I went to in Boston, but I didn't even know, like, I've been needing to find a Philly one. So you're yes. like, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, in, it's, in, the, in, it's in Chinatown. Uh, it's incredible. There's so many other places to great, uh, so many other great places to eat there. And the market, like the Reading Terminal Market, like, is just fantastic. It's also wild. Just like, it just it's, chock full of top tier delis. It's so amazing. Yeah. You're like, I'm so glad you said this because I feel like I'm like, I still love it. Like, I think it's amazing, but I'm forgetting to go do, like, I feel like you've done some things I haven't done. Like, I haven't been to Reading Terminal in a long time mm. and I've never done the Liberty Bell. So I'm like, this is the list of things I actually do need to go do. Yes. Well, I have a very long history with the city of Philadelphia. So. <laughs> but let's get into our actual interview. So uh, we, we have a couple of questions that we like to ask all of our guests. So the first one is, what might be the things that you can trace back to your youth that indicated you might be gender diverse one day? Um, I have a specific memory of being a middle schooler and just being like, it'd be, you know, it'd be really cool if I could be a boy. <laughs> Straight up, plain and simple. It wasn't like a big thought. It was just kind of like a passing thought. And mm -hmm. I think there were a couple times, I remember reading like, um, uh, I don't know if you know like the ugly series it's this there's this writer named Scott I think Westerfield Feld and he does like a lot of like cool sci-fi and he writes like a ton of YA and one of his book series is about um, a society in which like I think at age I can't remember the age but it's like 16 or 18 you get like a pretty surgery where like they completely like the city will completely make over your look and you get to move from like where the uglies quote unquote live oh. to the pretty people part of town. But what it got to me is like um, the main character starts kind of like rebelling against the system. And in the process of doing that, like goes to another city where like they're a lot more like liberal with their surgeries. And so they're telling all the stories of like the wild body mods that oh. people are doing. And I was just like, there's something about that. I was like, that, that is what I want. Yeah, that's your jam. <laughs> that, like, totally like the ability to just like do whatever I think that really stuck with me those are the two that like I feel like I thought about it a lot more when I was older but I think that that sequence where the person could just like snap decide that they wanted to be something else mm -hmm. and just do it I think that really drew me it yeah, feels no, like close yeah that's yeah that's incredibly relatable and uh I mean we're gonna get into this later but I think just having like a lot of like um, art like that that is accessible to younger audiences would really really like make a big difference in people's lives so yep. Yep, yeah yep, yep. yeah I think it's important um, yeah absolutely now how would you say your relationship to gender has evolved over time um I think I always I think I always felt like I was doing being a girl wrong when I was younger and then around college, I put like a strong effort into doing everything that I thought meant that I would be, that I was like successful at being a girl, like um, being on like really intense diets and like um, mm. spending like hundreds to get like hair weaves and like doing makeup for like 30 minutes mm. a day. <laughs> like it was like really intense period of life. Um, and then I graduated and I fell into like this queer circle of friends and it was like me and like three other friends were planning this like um at the time it was called like the Rhode Island Public uh Independent Publishers Expo it's like a comics and like indie uh indie writing like festival and like all of us were queer but I think one of us was like a trans woman who knew what she was but three of us were like questioning 
And we just had so many hours of like planning meetings that kind of devolved into like us just talking about like where we were. And I think we kind of like coached each other through like coming out as like different kinds of non-binary basically. Mm. And I just remember that life period like super fondly because I feel like we talked each other out of being cis kind of. And Mm. I feel like those are like, it was just such an awesome time of like, talking about things and like trying on different outfits and realizing what in our lives didn't work for us and what like what we wanted to go towards and I think we all remember that like as a really important time and I think mm-hmm. once I like finished yeah but by the time we finished those like really late night conversations about like what who we thought that we were like who we felt that we were that was more than what we looked like like I think everything came out of that Somebody like, um, I have like a friend uh, named Victoria Ruiz who's in like this band called Downtown Boys. And she saw like this illustration that I made at the time that was like a Malcolm X quote about like, who taught you to hate yourself? And she shouted me out from the stage because she made a song about it and was like, oh, I first uh, got introduced to this quote by Ka and I want to thank them. Like they just, uh, like she just accidentally used they for me and I was like whoa this feels great I like that and I just started like going to it ever since then and yeah so I've been on that journey and like slowly I think maybe slower than other trans people around me like kind of figuring out like what I want to do like I started I didn't really do anything for a while then I tried a binder then I started like low dose testosterone then I stopped and I started I'm like back on again Mm. and it's been like a slow process since then kind of figuring out like what I actually want to do that's not just like what I think a trans person has to do right and like right. still talking to front it's like so yeah it's weird but yeah I feel like I'm really like in the middle of it like still like trying to figure out what I'm doing and like but it's like this feels closer than like I, I feel like when I was trying to be a girl like people would my friends would say like you have a new haircut every week you have a new style every week like my who I was was like very inconsistent because I just like didn't know what I was doing and I find like the older I get and the more I do this stuff like the slower the changes are the more my who I am is stable so I feel like that means something even if I'm changing like the rate of change Mm -hmm. is like slower I feel like I'm getting I'm like getting to where I'm supposed to be yeah, and, and that's absolutely valid. And I think that would probably resonate a lot with uh, folks who identify as non-binary. So, I mean, personally, I don't identify as that, um, but I can definitely see how some like how that experience can can differ from my own because, like, personally, like I saw it's like, oh, being a girl, yes, I want that. I want that and only that. <laughs> but um, I can I can definitely see like. Or especially early in my journey where it's like, ah, it's like, am I a girl? Am I a dude? I don't know. Um, and where you kind of end up on that journey of, of you know, self-discovery, uh, you might fall in the middle or you might fall on some other path. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's really mm-hmm. important to get those stories out there as well. Uh, and it's, mm-hmm. if anything, it's, uh, there's some like unique difficulties that non-binary folks face because, I mean, I can just look at other women and say, okay, well, this is like, this is what this is what I'm aspiring to be. This is like I know I have my role models. I have people who I want to look like or emulate. Uh, but if you're you know in the middle, you might not have that, or it might be more difficult to find. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And I totally thing, feel that. Yeah, yeah, and there was there, and I want to go back to something else that uh, that you mentioned uh, with having you know your community of uh, queer folks around you. That's that's another thing that's extremely important because uh, for those of us who don't have that, it makes the journey so much more difficult. And just being able to mm-hmm. talk to other people and listen to other people's stories and recognize yourself and those other people's mm-hmm. stories, yep, um, exactly. you get that you get that sense. It's like, oh, I'm not the only one that has these thoughts or these feelings. Like this yep. is this is part of the human experience, and I need to kind of go through that so that's something that I know as like a later in life trans person uh Mm -hmm. you know I wish I had as uh when I was a younger person so 
uh, definitely that would have changed the course of my life. So I'm very glad that you had that community early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got really lucky. I think, yeah, I think human beings just learn from each other. And mm-hmm. I think cis people and straight people, like they have so many models everywhere they go. And so I think for us, like we really, if it's possible, like you really try to get as many examples around you as possible Mm -hmm. um because I definitely feel like in moments when I doubted myself and I was like what am I doing like is this just attention seeking like is this even real like am I a tomboy Mm -hmm. etc like I would talk to other people who are non-binary and I was just like I don't even if I don't know what I am I know I feel like that person and I feel like almost every time I meet another NB I feel like there's something about what they're doing that I can recognize in people a lot of the time, but also can also like when they speak, I feel we're similar. So I think that's sometimes when I feel that doubt, I actually think um, there's aspects to this that remind me of like coming out as bi, like when I was younger, like in an earlier version of queerness Mm -hmm. um, and like feeling that sense of like, am I, is this like, I I think being really influenced by like the straight opinions of like, is this just attention seeking? Like, is this real? Or even lesbian and gay opinions of like, Mm -hmm. is this real? Is this real? And I would like doubt myself sometimes and be like, is this, do you really feel this way? Like, do you actually like women? But then sometimes when I lose faith faith in myself, I would look at other people and I see them see like other bi people kind of like operating and moving and loving different people. And I'm like, even if I don't believe in myself, I feel they're real. And I feel like mm-hmm. when I get insecure about being like any kind of being trans at all, like I feel like even if I am not sure about myself, like I feel really sure about the people around me. And mm-hmm. so I, I definitely mm-hmm. bounce off people around me a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, that whole feeling of insecurity or that, that sense of authenticity is that's, I mean, that's huge. I mean, um, I would have to I would have to assume that every trans person kind of goes through those kind of crises of of identity because I mean personally I know that like early on it's like I I remember I remember a while ago like was, I was maybe like a year into my transition and like International Women's Day came up and I was like do I do I get mm-hmm. to participate in this like am I mm-hmm. like I, I, I had this real sense of like imposter syndrome and mm-hmm. uh that's you know something you know as an academic that's I'm no stranger to the imposter syndrome <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but you definitely you, you go through these phases of it's like am I really this am I really trans am I really this gender am I really like part of this community and I think it takes a long time to really accept yourself and mm-hmm. uh, it's really helpful to have kind of some external validation but you really need to have that internal validation as well mm-hmm. 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 Uh, so I would love to get into our uh, special topic today, which is gender and illustration. So I've been I've been checking out your work, and it's I I love your art style. It's so it's oh my god, it's it's so colorful, it's so vibrant. And um, how did you get started working in illustrations? Um, I'd always how do I do it? I'd always done art. Like I think most artists, you just like are a kid drawing and then you keep doing it um but how I got started as an illustrator was I got this like really awesome like I had been doing projects but then I got like this really awesome project for like Trans Day of Resilience um in like 2019 and that was like my first bigger thing um and the idea was like to release the project as like this bomb of like like Oh, I know what I'm saying. Ooh, I got turned around a little bit. Like the project is like um, a poster and poetry series that gets released on the day of Trans Day of Remembrance as like this burst of light and like resilience and positivity. And I was one of the artists chosen and I made this poster that says like trans is freedom and it got released and like it went everywhere. And it was like my mm-hmm. first project that um, like spread all over the country and I saw it going out even across the world. And I think that was like the first, I think that was one of the first ones that made me feel like, 
illustration can be a job <laughs> or it is a thing I can do it more and also it was like yeah. getting the opportunity and it was like definitely like a tipping point and I kept getting work after that and then uh after like during the COVID thing got laid off and then just ended up doing it full-time but yeah yeah that's yeah. uh I mean I I love talking to artists because like um people who can like draw and illustrate and stuff like that it's like I can't do it at all like I draw like a bright three-year-old like <laughs> so, um, <laughs> whenever I see someone like drawing well I'm just like are you like a sorcerer <laughs> so well, I'm, yeah. I'm always extremely impressed with that and uh I mean I used to think that I like had no artistic inclinations whatever I mean everyone does it just you have to find your medium that you work with so I found my medium uh, but I'm so glad that you found your medium and that you're able to uh turn that into a career and uh it's you know the world has enough, you know, investment bankers and, and you know, corporate finance experts. <laughs> we need more people making art, art and more people making queer art, especially. That's something that the world definitely needs more of. So I'm I'm so glad to be talking to someone who is, you know, adding to that. Um, now, how would you say your art style evolved as you continue to explore your relationship with gender? Um. They kind of go, they definitely go together just because I feel like I make art. I, I make so many, um, I just, I just feel like when I started working, I realized that there was like really a need for art about trans people in particular. Like that was what I was getting asked to do, but also it's like just obvious that mm -hmm. there needs to be more of it. And it was kind of great because it's like, I would say um, my security about it or insecurity would go up and down, but like these, like I would do these projects where I have to do like a mural about being trans. Or I have to do like another poster or a pin or a sticker. And like that would almost call on me to like channel a moment of like extremely strong beliefs. So it's like, I would get in a, I would like work on it on days when I was feeling like really in love and really passionate and really strongly about this and I make a piece and then release it and I was I felt like I was almost by doing like all these jobs that are trans related like making the art that I needed in a time when I've been like secure and then insecure insecure and then insecure or like sad about all the stuff that's happening in the mm -hmm. news like I got to like put that energy into making like really bright intense work and sharing it and then once they once it was out there, like I could also use it. Like I've put a lot of those posters up in, in like my studio and like in my home space, like I use them too. So I feel like they definitely go together. It's like, even if I don't, or I should say like, maybe it's not every single day that I feel like trans is freedom, but it's like, it reminds me to think that way. I feel like they're almost like visual cues, like think that way or remember when you felt that way. Like, remember the feeling knowing that trans people did exist and they're always going to exist. Like in a moment when I'm like looking at something and I'm like, are we gonna be okay? Like, is this gonna be okay? Like the work is there. So I feel like I'm, it's like, I've like, I've gotten really lucky to find a way to make art that like it's helping other people, but also like helping me a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. it's also like, a, oh yeah, please go. No, 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 please finish your thought and then I'll, I'll chime in with, with my thoughts. <laughs> I also think it's like, honestly, if we're going to do like the neurospicy thing, I think it's like an out, I don't know what the word would be, but like, it's like, it's also an ADHD thing. I think we mm. take mad notes. We take lots of notes to remember things. And so mm. I'm just so used to like journaling and writing stuff down that I need to remember. I have post-its all over the place. Oh, and so yeah, I feel yeah. like it's, it's a little bit, it's also like, it's like that. It's like really similar to the post-its. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, that's, that's a vibe for sure. <laughs> so, uh, I've completely lost my train of thought now. Oh no, no, no. Okay, cool. No, I didn't mean to do that. I know. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Nero spicy, it's like, uh, my brain sometimes just like goes into weird directions and I'm just like, Oh, where am I now? <laughs> totally. No. Yeah. 100%. 
I think I just did it and I got us off a track. Oh, I, I, we, I got it back. So, uh, yeah. So the whole concept of using art to kind of work through your issues or, you know, art therapy, that sort of thing. Um, it is so powerful and it's something that like, I did not realize the power of that because, um, like in my art, so like I make videos for most people listening to this, uh, realize that, but, uh, so I make videos and, um, I use them as art therapy. Uh, so mm-hmm. I use those to like kind of work through issues that I think that I'm, I've been thinking about issues that, you know, cause me stress or anxiety or whatever. And uh, working through, like making that art for me has been so helpful for my mental health. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I recommend it to everyone, like whether, you know, you're drawing, sculpting, painting, or even just like journaling or anything anything that like has like this creative outlet for you like try it try it and mm-hmm. you'll see you'll see how how it can help you mm-hmm. um now speaking of being neurospicy, uh how would you say your experience of adhd intersects with your illustrations hugely it affects <laughs> everything it's responsible <laughs> for everything it's literally responsible for everything there some people are like talk you do so many art forms because I've done like um like I don't I always do different things like I do like murals I do books I'll do t-shirts I'll do stickers like I love doing I'm like really into like the fact that I just do everything like whatever I want mm-hmm. I'm like about to work on a musical with somebody and wow. a dance musical like do like um the sets and like do like projections for it oh, I just so love cool. that I think it, I'm really excited. I think it's awesome. That like put fire in me. That project is so cool. Because we chase, I feel like ADHD is like, we chase that excitement, like the next thing, that thing that's like mm-hmm. really fun. And like, we also have that like superpower of like the hyper-focus. Mm-hmm. So I feel like everything I have is like a hyper-focus that I had at some point. And like mm-hmm. my whole practice is like a mishmash of like things I got really interested in. Like there's like a big, there was like that four or five year chunk of being like obsessed with murals. And then I finally mm-hmm. got like my hundred foot mural. I was so excited. And then like billboards became a little bit of a focus and obsession. And I did that. And so, yeah, I feel like my whole, everything has been like just chasing that like new thing and like the excitement. And I also even feel like the art style is driven by ADHD really, because it's like with collages, there's no, they can be simpler, they can be complex, and mm. they're like, I don't know how to explain how they go with ADHD. I guess it's like there's something about them that's friendly to the fact that like I can I think I can only focus in like short bursts. Um, so like the collage thing goes really well. I think it'd be, I'm sure there are people with ADHD that are like oil painters doing like work like da Vinci I know there are but for me for me I'm just like this is great I've developed an art style that like naturally already looks always a little bit unfinished you know Mm -hmm. and so it's really like that makes like perfect sense like a collage is just a collection of like little tiny like little art pieces that all kind of fit together so like totally I I feel like that is the perfect art form for someone who has ADHD (laughs) I think so too. It works like it's so like uh I'm so glad somebody asked me because I think I've secretly in my corner been like they don't know that it's all this like brain thing <laughs> like yeah um, yeah but, so yeah. it's like it's interesting because like my neurospiciness manifests a little differently where I also hyperfocus but I hyperfocus on one thing for a very long time so it's like uh, the kind of things that I do it's like oh I'm gonna make this I'm gonna work on this thing for three weeks. <laughs> this one thing that's so, that's so and I literally can't think about anything else <laughs> that's good that's kind of works for film that that's good yeah. for things like that that like they take a long time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so like my, my my last like big video project like it's literally the only thing I could think about for almost a month <laughs> Ooh. whoa you're opposite though that's yeah. kind of yeah you have like you're yeah it sounds like you're similar where like your brain is suited to the thing that you chose yeah yeah it's it's kind of like well it's kind of like a self-selection thing where it's like you you you're you're successful in the things that you're good at so you tend to choose to do those things right so this is something that I like I'm fond of telling people who are like 
tell me it's like why are you so good at everything it's like I'm not I just don't let see people things see me doing things that I'm not good at <laughs> period <laughs> yeah 100 percent. okay that actually yes everything's tracking bad okay. at a lot of things I just don't let see let, let people see it and see me doing them <laughs> that is fair that is totally not <laughs> making sense it makes sense what uh, so we do have a question from our chat. So Kamesy uh, says, I can imagine it must also be really affirming to see a demand for art that also satisfies needs that you're filling for yourself. It is, it is really awesome. It's so validating. I'm like, wow, this is cool. Like, yeah, because I think um, top problem of the trans slash any marginalized person experience it's definitely like the feeling of isolation am i weird like what you know am i uh, like is something wrong with me and i feel like every time i feel alone like mm -hmm. gender wise or politically like i'm i'm about to feel like i'm weird in some way but then like to see other people like they believe and they believe so much like they'll even fund it like they'll work with me on it like we're all, mm -hmm. we're getting a team together around these ideas like that's really powerful it's really validating it's like how can I feel insecure if like people are believing so much in this they will like people from all over the world are like sharing it or asking for it how can I like feel insecure if people are funding like if people are like willing to give up a wall just to to see these words somewhere in Philly like that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it helps a lot. It's really yeah. cool. <laughs> it's a yeah, niche no, way to do 100%. it. hundred percent. Cool. I mean, like, as as always, like you, the, the best thing ever is to just have like your own internal validation, but that external validation really helps. Uh, I mean, it really it helps, helps kickstart that internal validation. So when there's people willing to pay you for your work and it's like, no, we want you to make this thing for us. That is that's that's a pretty good external validation that can really help with the old self-esteem and the old like oh yeah I am actually doing the right thing <laughs> totally yeah that is how I feel good mm -hmm. yeah I'm, I mean I I love having external validation because because <laughs> I struggle with my internal validation let's put it that way <laughs> totally we need the, the training wheels the booster seat it's helpful <laughs> So we have a, another question from our chat from blatant homosexual. Uh, is it normal oh. to feel as though you're not good enough to be trans? Oh yeah. What? I just felt this yesterday. Come mm -hmm. on. It's, it's hard because it's hard. Although I do want to say, honestly, cis people feel that way too, because yeah. I just, I just felt that way. Um, and I was like, so I guess the answer is yes. I felt like, what am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. So I hit up my brother, my like top ally. He's like a 19 year old guy living in nice. Houston. He's so cool. Um, and I was like um, telling him I felt some insecurity about like stopping and starting tea because I was afraid a little bit of like being potentially perceived as like a threat, like things that guys mm -hmm. go through. So I was asking him questions about his experiences, like a six foot tall black guy living in Texas, you know? Right, right. Um, and he, it like sprung into a bigger conversation about like things that he struggles with with masculinity. And I was like, what are the parts that you hate the most? And he was like, I hate all the arbitrary rules. Like I can't listen to Summer Walker. I can't listen to R&B, et cetera. And other mm -hmm. guys, and I think he said other guys also being like, that's not manly of you. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, those are not, those, these rules are too strict. Those are not conditions under which anybody can feel confident. So it's like, I definitely feel like all the time, um, literally just, yes, that's why I talked to him. Like, am I trans enough? Am I trans enough? You know, mm -hmm. it's like constant. It's, it's easy to feel like insecure when there's like a, a box that you feel like you have to hit i think it's yeah. normal i think we all feel absolutely it. yeah i, I mean, like it's like feel i mean feeling insecure that just 
part of the human condition. And uh, especially like everything you just said about masculinity is something I very much have personal experience with. So, cause I mean, I identified as a dude for you know most of my life. So uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I have a lot of things to say about masculinity and toxic masculinity and, you know, masculine culture and all that. So that's something that I lived through myself. But uh, mm -hmm. to answer our chatter's question, uh, I mean, you are good enough to be trans. No, no matter who you are, you are good enough. Uh, there's no such thing as being trans enough or not being trans enough. And I, and I know that's, especially if you're early on in your transition, uh, you may feel that like you're, you're not trans enough. Be who you are. Be who you want to be. And use whatever labels are comfortable with you. And then don't worry so much about what's good enough or what's trans enough or what's, you know, queer enough. Like, just be yourself. And that's, that's all you can be. That was like the wise answer. But it's true. It's so true. Yeah, you can't, I mean, what? All these things are, I feel like a lot of these things are here. They're really like, um, they're guides, but they're not rules. Like just, I don't mm -hmm. know, do you? Like, I don't, there's no way to meet all this stuff 100%. Yeah, there's there's no right or wrong way to be trans. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I, like based, like the only, it's like, do you identify with the gender other than the one that was assigned to you at birth? Yes. Okay, you're trans. Done. <laughs> that's even just now I was like, oh, that's so comforting to hear. <laughs> yes. That's that's really that's, that's the literal textbook definition of transgender. It's someone who identifies with a gender other than the one they were assigned at birth. So if you fit that definition, congratulations, you're trans. You know, it's like I christened the trans. <laughs> Holy, amazing! So true. Oh, <laughs> Pretty much. And that's why it's cool to talk to other trans people about it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely. And Mirami in chat says that if you think you are, you are. So I remember, like personally. In, when I was, you know, um, questioning my gender, I was watching a YouTube video where it was basically the person said, if you're questioning whether or not you're, you're trans, you probably are. And it literally sent chills down my spine. So, yeah, I don't think, I heard that too. I was just like, yeah. I don't, yeah. Yeah, I don't think those people walk around asking questions about they this don't. thing that they are. Like, what? They don't. And that was a huge revelation to me. Like when I identified as cisgender, I assumed that everyone like you know entertain these fantasies of being a gender other than what they were assigned at birth but it's like no that's yeah. People. yeah 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 cisgender no. don't yeah. they don't think about that i'm just like what what if they don't think about that <laughs> totally no 100 other people don't get daydreams of being something else what well, it's like, I, yeah. I mean, like, cause I remember like early on in my transition, like I would ask like my guy friends, it's like, so you don't like fantasize about being a woman. It's like, no, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, back to, oh, excuse me. Wow. Oh my God. My, uh, my voice just decided to, to crack there. Um, I'm going to hydrate right after I ask you this question. Uh, so what, what are your favorite artistic themes or subject matters? Um, definitely that gay stuff, you know, that's high up there, obviously. Also, like, um, anything with music, I'm a big, like, just listen to music. Oh, no, I get really emotionally affected by music. I was mm -hmm. a musician. I love it. And I think I'm very much in the same space of, like, putting up post-its and, like, writing everything down, writing reminders down. Like, I also save, like, song lyrics that I think are, like, really sick um and like give me this give me a feeling that I feel like I can use into the future so I think yeah favorite topics are uh that gay stuff um <laughs> being happy yes homo propaganda that's my bag the gay and agenda 100 percent <laughs> and music and people being at peace I think also during the doing like the neurospicy thing, I think those mm -hmm. visual cues to like breathe, chill out, you know, I think anything that gives me that feeling of like chill, like find your chill, like I think those tend to be the things I like to make art about. Mm. Um, I think also like I make a lot of like black art and I think I think I use it in the same way where it's like 
the world is the world, but I get to like spend time like thinking about us and like putting out more positive images of us and like mm. also spend my own time focusing on us and like I don't know yeah so I think that's also big for me I don't know yeah those are most of the things those are definitely the top interests awesome no I I love that and it's uh, I think it's really important to have art or or media in general just showing people just you know, being happy and living your lives, like, you know, the struggle, like, you know, the fight for equality and all that is very important, all that, but it can't, like, we, we can't define totally. ourselves by our suffering. We have to be able to define ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not doing that. Like I'm, I've, ugh, I could go into that. Could, that could be a whole thing. Yes. Like, I feel like I just felt like I don't want my entire life to be about what's hard for us or my mm. practice to be that either like I really I made like a strong effort maybe a year ago or so to start taking more projects too where like I felt like it's about just us as ourselves like not just always like what is hard about being trans like what is hard about being black like I really want to make more things that are like just self-referential not about mm -hmm. outsiders you know, peaceful yeah absolutely um so i mean this kind of dovetails into our next question uh why is it important to amplify queer trans queer or trans joy and positivity <laughs> because we need like i think we need those reminders of humanity i remember like um when i first did this mural the like the biggest mural that I did that's about like trans people living in this like group home in Philly and it's um the word like yeah it's a it's a it's a mural about being trans in part and I remember I talked to this reporter from NBC News and they were saying like oh this is like the first positive I think paraphrasing but they were like, oh, this is like the first positive story I've done in like so long. They're like only do transgender news mm -hmm. um, or mostly do transgender news. And I was like, that really struck me because I was like, you know, we need like, you know, we need like, we need the good news. Like we need the beautiful Absolutely. stories. We need the positivity. Yeah. We also need that real, but it's just like, it's, it's a grind to see the sadness all the time. And like when you see a really positive thing like um the person who that uh I don't know if you saw the this piece by someone named Kyrie Snell who was like no. gender non-conforming people will be everywhere the sun touches there is no mm. other option I think that's about what it says after um some politician I think said something terrible it was like a response piece mm. and I was just like I need this, like, I need this reminder. I'm just like, I'm desperate, like everybody else for like those reminders of like life and like the fight in us and like the positivity. Like, I think that's something that artists can do with like not that many resources even. Like you don't need a huge budget to like make something like that, no. that then people will share 20,000 times. I don't know, <laughs> like I'm like, then it becomes something that lifts like the whole, a lot of us, you know? So, yeah, that's why I think it's important. Yeah, no, that's you're you're absolutely right. And just having more more and more examples of you know people just living their lives and being happy. I mean, it's it's like when you when you mention that reporter saying it's like oh this is the first you know positive story I've done in a while. I mean, it's it's kind of sad. I mean, part of that is because there is a lot of like I mean, if you're going to be someone who covers trans news, then yeah, there is oh. a lot of it that is negative that needs to be covered that needs to be talked about but mm -hmm. it's also it's kind of part of our media culture where like negative news that's an outrage culture they, that's what get all that's mm -hmm. that's what gets the clicks that's what gets the engagement so mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. not as much room for the positive stories uh mm -hmm. and that's kind of an unfortunate reality but um nice thing is we don't have to adhere to that system as you know mm -hmm. as, as you know independent artists uh we're able to work outside of that system and make your own art and yeah yeah 100% yeah. And I think we're such a I think we're such a small community that and maybe like at a certain place in our general civil rights journey where it's just like mm. 
the like professional news organizations that have just gotten a hold of this stuff or are, like starting to cover this stuff I think they are like a little that like the negative story is like they need to be told but they're like getting way too much airtime and I think I have been I've felt like a little like I feel an awareness within black life of like a strong effort from people to make like movies and sci-fi books and fantasy and build the world of like art and culture that's like outside of struggle against white supremacy and like I feel like we need to have that on the trans side too and so like Mm -hmm. as many people as can tell a story that doesn't feel fake but is not completely just everything that's hard like we need as much as possible Mm -hmm. absolutely so we are here with Ka, who is a queer illustrator, and we'll be talking about some of their work. Uh, so specifically, uh, we're going to be talking about the book, The Making of Butterflies, uh, which has some beautiful illustrations. Uh, you can actually go buy it right now if you want. You, well, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be posting a link to Ka's link tree later. Uh, but if you have uh, young people in your life, this, is, uh, this would be a good book for them. Uh, why don't you tell us about this book and what it was like to illustrate the story? Um, it is really cool. It's like um, Sora Neale Hurston is like a really amazing writer, um, but also in addition to that was like kind of an anthropologist a little. And like she um, went down to Florida and like would gather stories um, from people down there. And one of the stories that she recorded is like, this like almost like a fairy tale about like how butterflies came to be in the world and so she kept like a bunch of these stories and put them in a book um then uh at some point like Ibram Kendi who's also like a writer theory academic like found it and was like wouldn't it be cool to turn this into like kids books and make it so that kids can also read Zora's work um Mm. so then like that's how I that's that's totally the project um yeah, it, it's pretty awesome. It's like beautiful. It's like really nice. Yeah. And this is like a specifically like African-American like folklore that's uh, mm-hmm. it go through in the book. So, uh, and mm-hmm. I think that's uh, having children's books that kind of go into like other cultures is for mm-hmm. your own culture for, you know, African-American kids uh, is mm-hmm. is so fantastic. Um, I mean, I remember being a kid and, and reading like books about, say, like pre-Columbian South American cultures or, mm-hmm. um, you know, other cultures that like I'm not familiar with and just getting mm-hmm. to learn more about, you know, other people is is fantastic, at, at, especially at a young age. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, did you have any sort of experiences like reading like, you know, African-American uh, like history or folklore books as, as a kid? A little but not a lot like I feel like I grew up on like kind of the um more like western and white stories aside Mm -hmm. from the stories like my my dad would tell me stories that were like specifically African stories that he brought over but Mm -hmm. not I think a lot of things that are African-American history like because they're suppressed like me as a like first generation child of immigrants like I actually didn't get a lot of this um Mm -hmm. and so I thought it was really cool what this project was like trying to do and I feel like I I've had to like I think there's a lot of like African-American history that I've had to learn and like read about as as an adult and I feel like you need that stuff to even understand like why this Mm -hmm. place works the way that it works and also just it's like I don't know it's cool to know what other people are about like yeah absolutely yeah. it's cool to know what other people are about like I'm like I I feel like that's I think the coolest outcome of like the push maybe in the last uh several years to like have diverse children's books and like other kinds of books is just like these are the stories there were stories of people around me who were like my friends or like my neighbors that like I didn't know and I just think it's cool like what if we knew like what if we knew more about each other yeah so I I think it's really cool and uh, I I like that you brought up that uh, you know you're a first generation immigrant because I would have to assume that your experience differs quite a lot from 
you know, other African Americans whose families have been here for 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 quite mm-hmm. a long time. So, uh, mm-hmm. is there? Is, mm-hmm. Do you have any kind of unique perspectives on that? I feel like it's like, um, I feel like I notice it most in things like this, like to do the research for the book. I read this other, I think to do the research for this book, like I was reading it and realizing, like, I feel like I want to know more about the history. Like there's pieces that are missing. I can sense it, but I don't know like what exactly wasn't covered in like high school history classes. So I read this book called uh, The Warmth of Other Sons by Isabel Wilkerson, who's like an amazing writer. And she took like 12 years to write um, the history of like black people moving, uh, from the south to like the more northern parts of America um which is covers like I don't know like the last uh almost 100 years and Mm. I was reading and I was like this is like like this book is covering stuff that I've seen like my entire life that Mm. felt like I never understood it and I just saw like the way other like I saw other black people I saw how we were but I didn't I felt like I didn't understand because I didn't know the history and I felt like I don't even know where I'm going with that. It just really like made me feel like if you're not hearing the history of all the different groups that are here, you're missing like mm-hmm. enormous parts of the story. There's so much that's happening today that's really about things that happened like 50 years ago or like 200 years ago. And I think like we just miss it when we're like, there's only a tiny range of stories right, right. that are like, that we're allowed to even know you know yeah and it's that's kind of a function of our education system because that's a very narrow focus for our history so the 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 great migration that you kind of uh alluded to earlier i mean that that was a huge part of uh you know the 20th century history uh that a lot of people just like don't know about uh i mean there was this huge migration of black folks from you know the deep south um this is like you know right after like um, you know, uh, the civil rights movements and, um, yeah. you know, kind of fleeing the Jim Crow laws of the era. And uh, yeah, this large Jeez. migration of folks from, you know, Southern states into Northern states. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's a part of our history. I mean, like I, being Canadian, I barely learn about American history in general, but even within America, it's not something that's really like taught or, or uh, people really know about. And uh, even something like, you know, the uh, 1921 Tulsa massacre, I needed a TV show to tell me about that. I had, I had no idea. That's how I, I had no idea yeah. that was a thing that even happened. And I had no idea that was like not even a unique case that it was that yeah. that happened. No, a 100%. Lot. That happened a lot. I, so Tulsa is just like the most yeah. well-known one. But, you know, that's uh, was not an isolated incident. So, yeah, uh, yeah just kind of like learning the parts of history that's people would like us to not know or kind of brush no. aside is, yeah. is, is huge mm-hmm. importance. And we're actually seeing mm-hmm. a bit of that now. So I was actually watching an interview on uh, oh, Democracy Now! about uh, kind of similar things that are going on with trans folks, because there's there's a huge yes. population of trans folks fleeing um, anti-trans states into trans sanctuary states. So it's not exactly the same. Um, I mean, but there are, you can draw a lot of parallels between the two. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely feel that. I think it was, it's been interesting in the last, like I would never say the two groups have exactly the same experience, but I definitely was like, oh, I just, I had been more used to knowing that there are Black stories within American history that are deliberately suppressed. And then I think mm-hmm. to live in this time of like, well, also actually um, Black uh, material and art and uh, history is being suppressed too right now but also Mm -hmm. living through this time of like queer and trans history like before our very eyes in america like being uh trying to people trying to actually suppress it i was like whoa like we're literally like it's happening over again like Mm -hmm. um and i definitely yeah it's been interesting as like a kids book author just to watch it just because it's impacting like so many people in my field like even people that i know um and I feel like it's like it's wild to like live through the repeat I mean but in in some ways it's kind of I'm glad I know about it from like I'm glad I was already aware of it because of 
mm-hmm. going about it through Black history. So it helps me like think about like what's happening and see it for the threat that it is. But it's like it's really mm-hmm. something. Yeah. yeah, and like it's it's one of those things. Like if you know your history, you can see it like being played out in real time. So it's like yep. a lot of the, a lot mm-hmm. of like what was used against Black folks, you know, you know, fifty, sixty years ago is what's being used against trans folk these days. They're using the same playbook. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's, you recognize kind of like the same arguments and the same tactics that they're yep. using. Yeah, um, 100%. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I remember having a conversation uh, with one of my friends about, you know, trans athletes. And I was, mm-hmm. I was pointing out that like the exact same arguments <laughs> that people are using against trans women in sports are what they used to use uh, to prevent black women from perform- from being in sports. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. It's like- Slash is even still happening a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. It's wild. It's like the more, mm-hmm. the more I look at it, stuff, I just think there's, it's like there's one playbook this is how you oppress minorities and mm-hmm. they just like do it yeah yeah and, and it's just over. like whichever one is most politically feasible to to go after in the day in a in a particular moment yeah i definitely yeah, yeah. feel like it's um i'm definitely thinking back to like other phases and like who was the political who was like the main target mm-hmm. within my lifetime and i just kind of i'm like okay this is like the queer trans moment and like yeah you have to like get through it with as like as intact as we can like what have Mm. other people done I've definitely been talking to friends recently and been like what's happening in other like what can we do are there lessons in history like what are people doing in other countries because we just have to I'm just like how can we move through this as okay (laughs) as possible Mm. you know what can we do Mm. yeah yeah absolutely So you do have uh, another book that's coming out uh, this fall called Not He or She, I'm Me, uh, which is, looks wonderful. I was taking a look at the the, the preview. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, that book is so sweet. It's like, okay, total, like, peaceful, chill. Um, like, uh, it's written by this person named A.M. Wild. It's like their first book. Um, and it's just like a day in the life of like a little non-binary kid who mm-hmm. like, lives with a parent and like it's totally loved and chilling with their friends and just having like a good day um and it's awesome it's it's really sweet um yeah it's really sweet and it's coming out october 17th awesome get it get get your pre-orders in so if you have a, a young person in your life that would love this book or maybe you just like children's literature and you want it for yourself like pre-order it <laughs> get it get it yeah. get it order it <laughs> No, but it looks it's, it's so adorable. <laughs> I was looking at uh, the kind of like the preview pages and I'm like, oh, this is like something I would have loved to have as a kid. And totally. for any like, you know, like non-binary kids out there that don't realize that they're non-binary, something like this would absolutely change their lives. So I think so. I'm, yeah. Yeah. So, I was like, um, this is going to be, this is cool. And like the chance to make something that's just like full of love and is like the ideal, like the shows the thing that I know kids mm. who experience like I'm just like we need more of this so I I, I was really honored to like be able to collage it up mm. and like make yeah. them just words yeah so I hope the book does really well uh I'll definitely be recommending it to all my uh, friends who are parents <laughs> thank you uh now do you have any other cool projects in the works um I'm working on stuff I'm working on the next book I'm in, I just got a message that I really need to send in my drafts. So I'm working on that, um, but that will be out probably sometime like next year. And yeah, that's like the major thing in my life. That's like, I've taken a break from most of their projects so that I can do this thing. Um, mm. But yeah, that when, uh, when it comes out next year, people will be like, that's what they were talking about. Um, but yeah, that is, that is me right now. Bookland, awesome. fully bookland. Awesome. Thank you. Oh, I love that so much. Uh, so we're going to get into our concluding questions. Uh, so before we get into our, because we have a couple of questions that we'd like to ask all of our guests, but before we get into that, is there anything that we missed about gender and illustration that you'd like to make sure that you say? I guess the only thing I can say is like, I really feel, I mean, I guess I already said it, but it's like, you know, I really feel like we're in this moment where I, I feel so aware, 
like what each of us does and puts out there really matters. So I would say like, if you even have like a little bit of drawing talent or ability, like we need you for real, make something and put it on the internet. Do it like that. Cause like as much as we can hear from each other in this like really weird time, like the better as many. And I think more voices is great. Like every time I see like another, like, like um, another trans artist, like making something cool. Like, mm. I feel like we, you're like helping the psychic health of the whole just by making something, even if it was like really quick, even if it's like a tiny comment, comic or like a little sketch or a poem, like something small, like we really need that. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, if you feel like the impulse for it and you feel like you're safe to share it, like definitely make and share things. Yeah. Like now is like the time. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. And that's something that uh, I've been on both sides of. So like, there's been a lot of uh, trans or queer art that I've really connected with a lot. And it's really helped me quite a lot. And I've had people tell me that stuff that I've made has really helped them. So like, it's, yeah, if you, cool. yeah, if you have art that you want to make, don't worry about it being good. Just, just make it, just do it and put it out there. You know, you never mm -hmm. know, you never know who it's going to connect with. Mm -hmm. so uh we were talking about a little this a little bit earlier uh with the whole trans joy uh can you share an experience with us that you've had with gender euphoria um hmm. honestly i think being on a dating app and telling someone i think i think meeting someone who was really excited to know what my experience is on testosterone Oh. I've been was really validating and like just having someone mm. who like wanted to hear like how it's been and if I'm happy and like seem genuinely excited and interested I was like oh I will I can connect with people like I knew that mm -hmm. but I think having my own experience of it like somebody was like really psyched for me mm -hmm. that was cool that's I awesome I that made that. me really happy yeah yeah no, that's, that's awesome. That's really cool. uh, now, what would you like to make sure that folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary trans and or gender diverse issues? Oh, you know, I'm not an expert. <laughs> I'm sure it's <laughs> probably a common answer. Well, you're an expert on your own experience. So. That's true. I, <laughs> yes, that's my, I felt like my instinct is disclaiming. Yeah, I'm an expert on my own experience. But you know, I'm just a guy, I'm a regular guy. Um, yeah, I think that is what I want to say. The I'm an expert on my own experience. But yeah, but you know you. So talk to some friends. Make yeah. some trans friends. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that about wraps up our interview. So uh, Ka Yanyi is an illustrator living in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They make heartfelt murals, books, and more about justice, queerness, and joy. And uh, the, their link tree is, you can get the link tree in the chat. And if you're watching this in the future, you can find that in the show notes uh, along with their, their socials. Here is this week's clatter query that you, our audience, can answer on our social media platforms. What kind of art do you wish there was more of in the world around you? Awesome. <laughs> All right, so that wraps up our show. So next week, our guest is, we're going to do Uno Reverse, and then next week, is, well, the guest is going to be me. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so cool. no, I'm very much looking forward to it. I actually booked myself as a guest before I was asked to be a host on this show. So, <laughs> uh, this is, yeah, so just kind of like, yeah, it's going to be a good time. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff. I'm going to talk about, you know, um, uh my arts uh the kind of the videos that i've been making and kind of my own journey with uh with being trans and all that so uh it should be a really good talk and it's just gonna be our you know the two co-hosts just kind of hanging out so <laughs> so don't miss that episode and then episode 100 is going to be trans capybara who is gender meowster's spouse so that's going to be fun uh we're going to have a, a good time uh i wish we kind of had the time to uh, record that in person because i was actually uh staying at their place for uh pride <laughs> so uh yeah i i wish we had the time to actually do like a live podcast recording but you know whatever opportunities miss it's fine so uh thanks again for everyone for tuning in thanks to our guest for being here and being so lovely 
And I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their day. And I've been your host, Miranda, also known as NASA Attack. You can catch me at NASA Attack on Twitter, on YouTube, and here on Twitch. So until then, take care, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Jennifer would like to thank our guests for being on this podcast. If you'd like to catch us live, join us on Mondays at twitch.tv forward slash gendermaster. Show notes will appear in the edited version of the show on Fridays on both YouTube and podcasting platforms. If you have a question you would like the host to answer or are gender diverse and would like to request an interview, please send an email to genderfulpodcast at gmail.com or sign up via the website at genderfulpodcast.com. As a gender diverse community, The Clatter wants to assure our listeners that we are prepared to moderate our spaces. We will get positive and negative feedback on these shows and topics, and we have a moderation team on our channels, socials, and Discord server ready to deal with this. Please join our Discord server at discord.gg forward slash meowster to meet the community and get a regular digest of solidarity resources. You can also support us with subscriptions on Patreon, following and reviewing us on your favorite podcasting platform are engaging with our posts and content on social media at genderfulpod and at gendermeowster. You can take a few moments to also rate the show. We will post any five-star reviews on our socials, so get creative. Mention a special interest of your own, a project you're working on, or even say hi to your comfort person in your review. What power? This show is made possible by volunteers, tips, and subscriptions. Shout out to the folks helping us coordinate guests, edit the podcast, moderate the live chat, and post on our socials. Artist credit for Jennifer. Jennifer's theme song is called Hope by Free Range Megs, a.k.a. Soma. The Gender Master logo was designed by That's Barnaby and edited with consent by Transgriffin. Jennifer's pre-show is wrangled by Juice Tex. Genderful is edited and mixed by Trans Griffin and Alexis Fandom. Genderful's social media is managed by Queer to Help. Genderful is hosted by Atlas O Phoenix and Gender Master. Genderful is the intellectual property of Gender Master. All rights reserved. Trans, Trans rights, rights are human, human rights. rights. That's right. right.